What a bunch of garbage. Coming to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth. The show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to do it. If you're some male, what the rock is cooking? If only. Hey, everybody, this is the David Allen Show. Hey, that's. Can you believe it? We're live again. It's only been like a month and a half. But yeah. Here we are. Uh, just pre- pre-show, we're going through the critically acclaimed soundtrack of the show Insecure from the Home Box Office Network. The song called The Juice. Sorry, episode number what? What are we at? 50. I guess I'll have to look it up, won't we? Eight, seven, six, five, five, three. Oh, I thought you said four. Four. Uh, Were you looking up or are you waiting for me to do that? I'm waiting for you to do that. Okay, hold on. We'll get there. Um, I think. Hold on. Holy cow. There it is. There you go. Finally. Found your keyboard. Found it in the old clackety clacker. Uh, the latest episode from the David 59. Allen Show was 58. This is 58? This will be 59. Now, this was July 28. This, unfortunately, has been more than a month ago. Yeah. Um, now, as noted by the title of our last episode, um, you were just recovering from having... Um, <laughs> been rotor rooted. <laughs> yeah, rotor rooter. So, that's your um, name. Uh, a month out. How are you? Um. Well, my plumbing is. Or is it just clear. gone? I mean, it's just it's out. You don't have any issues. No, I haven't. I, mean, you haven't I didn't any. have any issues. Have at you all. forgotten about it? Yes. Are we now revisiting a sore <laughs> subject? <laughs> no. No. All right. No, good. it was it was easy. Yeah. No. Thank you for asking. Uh, you know what? We're here because we care. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Why not, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. I saw this uh, the other day on our favorite social media network, uh, the Face Bag book, whatever it is. A book bag. Hey, the Facebook bag. Um, Man of the people. Barack Obama is the most expensive ex-president ever. Now. What does that mean? uh, Well, we'll get there, but I'm intrigued a little bit because I didn't quite know that this is how it worked. Former president, uh, this story from the Daily Wire, September 1st. So that was just a couple days ago. Today is September 3, by the way. Uh, This is the Sunday of Labor Day weekend uh, when everyone uh, celebrates working by not working for a weekend. It's good. Uh, former president, B.H.O., 
It's almost like HBO. Weird. Proved again. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. That all the rhetoric of hope and change and moving forward was nothing more than pandering to his left-wing base. According to reports, he and the former first lady, Michelle, uh, have become the most expensive ex-presidential couple in modern history. But they deserve it. Stephen Dinan, Dinan, D-I-N-A-N, Dinan, of the Washington Post writes... Former President Barack Obama is about to become the most expensive ex-president, costing taxpayers how much? And for one year. Take a guess. $30 million. <coughs> okay, that's bold. Uh, no, uh, uh, $1,153,000 next year. According to uh, a new Congressional Research Service memo... So... I, I was a little high. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I didn't know where to well, I, where I even know, start I from. Know the goalpost was just floating. Well, well, plus, you know, how much we spend $600 billion on defense. Needed. Shh. That's necessary. Oh, okay. Keep uh, going. Uh, uh, it's $1,100,000. Is that right? Yeah, it would be. $1,153,000. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, according to a new con- Congressional Research Service memo looking at the official allowances for the five living former chief executives. Now, why do they call him the chief executive when they don't want the government to be run like a business? The left doesn't, at least. Uh, Sorry. That's I don't know. Uh, his $1,153,000 budget request. Uh, see, that that word right there intrigues me. Budget request for 2018. Is that to run his... <clears throat> his himself is more than $100,000 higher than George W. Bush requests for next year and nearly 200000 more for Bill Clinton. So what I get out of this is Bill Clinton's asking for $900,000. Hmm. Are you kidding? And a and W Bush, a million dollars. H W Bush. Now this guy who has uh, nearly both feet in the grave is asking for nine hundred forty-two thousand dollars. I'll tell you what. Jimmy Carter um, gets a little bit of props for me. Four hundred fifty-six thousand. Yeah, but like, who's gonna want to kill him? Oh, it's got nothing to do with protection. This is their request. This is what they're asking Congress to give them for the year. Like, th- their money. Are you kidding? Well, so you're elected, okay. oh, no, you're elected president, and then you get to demand money every year? I want a million Well, they're dollars. asking. Uh-huh. million bucks. Uh, this doesn't make any illusions that it's ever denied. Okay, okay. Now, is this, like, discretionary money where they can take it to travel as... A former... Well, this says Obama is not simply spending the money on lavish vacations for himself and Michelle to hobnob with European socialists and their celebrity friends. They're also renting a Washington, D.C.-based office space over 8,000 square feet. How much money, you think, for the year? Is this part of their budget? Yeah, yeah, this is part of that $1,100,000. 250000 $536,000. Wow. Okay, so, so most of this half of that is just uh, yeah, but almost exactly half of that. Okay. The taxpayers 
are going to pay for his office in D.C. Now, his office. The building I own, the commercial space I own, yeah. is around 5,000 square feet. Okay. If you consider the upper level, the one we're currently in. Yep. 8,000 square feet. What in the world does he need? Um... His pension payment is the highest of all living presidents, also costing Americans $236,000 a year. That's how much he gets every year? Pension. Yeah. That's what? just what he gets for being president already. Well, That's... how come he gets that much and other ones don't get that much? Huh? Who how fair de- is that? Uh, come on. Uh, who determines uh, how much they get? I mean, I don't really. Know who makes that call. So you're saying that's the most. Bill Clinton. He has to pay for the hookers out of his own money. Okay. <laughs> no, he pays for them out of the money that Saudi Arabia gives him. Oh, okay. He's got the Clinton Foundation. It's fine. Shh. Okay. I'm sorry. Keep going. Uh, um, Obama presented himself as a man of the people who understood the troubles of the middle and lower class. As more details about his past and behind-the-scenes activities come to light, this is proven to be false. During his administration, he had directed the government to spend millions of dollars on global warming research, gender studies, lavish vacations, golfing trips, pros- <laughs> prostitution, <but laughs> prosecuting. You almost said it. <laughs> his political enemies with the IRS and the Department of Justice. Meanwhile, Americans fell deeper into poverty and veterans suffered at the hands of an ambivalent VA department. Even though he has been out of the White House, Obama is still taking advantage of the perks of his office at the expense of the taxpayer. Now, now? I just saw, yeah, I believe this broke, breaking, I think yesterday, the... Now... This from the CNN politics blog. No, it's Sunday, September 3rd. That's today. Okay. Uh, hold on. I've got something running. It shouldn't be running. Yeah, there we go. Um, pause. Thank you, Autoplay. I just uh, went to the Oval Office and found this beautiful letter from President Obama. It was uh, really very nice of him to How do nice. that, and How we nice. will cherish that. We will keep that, and we won't even tell the press what's in that letter. That was January 22nd that he ah. said that. That was President Trump talking about the parting letter President Obama left for him on the day of his inauguration. President Obama seen here through the window of the Oval Office slipping the letter into the Resolute desk. It was addressed to Mr. President. President Trump has shown the letter to White House visitors and now, for the first time, CNN has an exclusive look at the contents of <laughs> Holy cow, holy cow. Just CNN, now? Breaking news, everybody. Yeah, just now, during his final moments in the Oval Office. President Barack Obama folded into thirds a handwritten letter to Donald Trump, slid into an envelope, and in neat capital letters, addressed it to Mr. President. Now the contents of that letter, the last direct communication between 44 and 45, (gasps) have emerged for the first time after CNN obtained a copy. All right, here it is. We're going to read it, okay? Okay. Dear. Hold on. No, we're not. Just a minute. 
<clears throat> I guess that's the mood. Dear Mr. President, congratulations on a remarkable run. Millions have placed their hopes in you, and all of us, regardless of party, should hope for expanded prosperity and security during your tenure. This is a unique office without a clear blueprint for success, so I don't know that any advice from me will be particularly helpful. Still, let me offer a few reflections over the past eight years. First, we've both been blessed, in different ways, with great good fortune. <laughs> Not everyone is so lucky. It's up to us to do everything we can to build more ladders of success for every child <laughs> and a family that's willing to work hard. Second, American leadership in this world really is indispensable. It's up to us, through action and example, to sustain the international order that's expanded steadily since the end of the Cold War and upon which our own wealth and safety depend. Thirdly, we are just temporary occupants of this office. That makes us guardians of those democratic institutions and traditions like rule of law, the separation of powers, equal protection, and civil liberties. That our forebearers fought and bled for. Regardless of the push and pull of daily politics, it's up to us to leave those instruments of our democracy at least as strong as we found them. And finally, take time in the rush of events and responsibilities for friends and family. They'll get you through the inevitable rough patches. Michelle and I wish you and Melania the very best as you embark on this great adventure and know that we stand ready to help in any ways which we can. Good luck and Godspeed. B.O. Yep. Yep. That was beautiful. So moving. <laughs> so moving. <laughs> He's a hero. And then of course CNN takes the opportunity to editorialize. No. The words reveal a conciliatory, outgoing commander-in-chief with four items of advice for his successor, whose fitness for the job he'd spent the previous months openly questioning. Congratulations on a remarkable run, Obama wrote in his opening line. Millions have placed their hopes in you. What is it, God? And all of us, regardless of party, should hope for expanded prosperity and security. Written out longhand. Oh, so terrible. It's 2017. He writ it in longhand on White House stationery and slipped it into the top drawer of the Resolute desk. The 275-word letter captures an outgoing president eager to instill in Trump the vast responsibilities and uncertain parameters of the job because he knew that Trump was such an idiot that he would not be able to do it on his own. Obama, when hearing the letter, didn't disclose the content even to his closest aides. Since then, however, Trump has shown the letter to visitors in the Oval Office or his private White House residence, and in CNN, we obtained a copy from someone that Trump showed it to. Huh. 
Obama advises Trump that American leadership is indispensable and encourages him through action and example to sustain post-Cold War international order. It's so beautiful. Such, such beautiful. It's so beautiful. Such. Such, such beautiful. Wow. Um, wow. Good stuff, huh? Well, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. Really? I'm happy for, uh, for Donald, you know. Mm-hmm. No hard feelings, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> huh. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation. No breathing. Don't give a fuck if I can't be open. Sorry, forgot the sensor. That I might. This Papa Roach last resort. That's that's his name. This is Papa Roach. Wow. Did you, did you, uh, did you see this incident that happened in Salt Lake City? That's kind of a vague uh, question, this incident. Yeah. So, no? Well, you know, with the cop and the nurse? Oh, yeah, 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 I did. <clears throat> um, now, be, before we discuss this, mm-hmm. I think we both agree that if you get to carry a weapon anywhere, if, who, you, who, who. if you're a person who gets to carry a weapon in anywhere as part of your job, mm-hmm. you're instilled with that responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're instilled with responsibility of arresting people, <coughs> of uh, you know, doing things that the average person can't do. You should be held to a much higher standard. Uh, much. Much higher standard. And I would think that regardless of what's going on in your life, Mm -hmm. you have to be held to that high standard. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if life is going hard for you. You have to be held to the higher standard. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if your life is disintegrating. You can't come to work with a bad attitude. It doesn't matter if you worked for 28 years and you can't take it a day more but you just have to squeak out two more years before you can retire and get your pension. It doesn't matter. You're held to a higher standard. Yeah. Period. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, a cop did something he shouldn't have. (laughs) What? He arrested a woman 
Yes. A nurse. And the reason why he arrested her was she refused to comply with his what he told her to do. Okay. Uh, I have the body cam footage. Play it so you can hear it. So this is the nurse on the phone. This is the body cam of the officer. Um, and this nurse is at a computer on her cell phone. And she's talking to someone, presumably her boss. Yep. Saying he still says he's not under arrest. No. She's asking the cop now, do you have an electronic warrant? No. Cop says no. No. No to every single No to every single thing. Now, what she has there... It's a piece of paper. Oh, I think oh, it's, she's, it's she's printing it right now. Yes. She's going to show him a piece of paper that shows the protocol and the policy of the hospital of but, what they can and cut, what they need in order to draw blood uh, on somebody. But but what's interesting is not just that, and she'll say it in a minute, but what the, the hospital and the police department agreed to. Yes, that you find out later. Okay, now she's walking over. She has a printout. She's on the phone still with her boss. She and has she's a completely polite. Oh, totally. And yeah. she, and it appears like she wants to help him. Yeah. But she can't. Right. This off. I said what I was told to print off. Hold on. Um, Brad, I'm just putting on speaker so you can. So I have this. It says obtaining blood samples for police enforcement from patients suspected to be under the influence. Okay. This is something that you guys agree to with this hospital. The three things that allow us to do that are if you have an electronic warrant, patient consent, or patient under arrest. And neither of those things, the patient can't consent. He told me repeatedly that he doesn't have a warrant and the patient is not under arrest. So I'm just trying to do the, what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's all. So. And now here comes the arrogant piece of garbage cop. Yep. Okay, so I take it without those in place, I'm not going to get blood. Is that, am, am I fair to surmise that? Okay. I don't know. I have no the idea. The person why on the phone just told the nurse that she's not representing the hospital. Like, that's not her job. Yep. And she's like, why is he still complaining about this? Yep. I'm just representing. Why are you blaming the messenger, sir? She's the one that has told me no. Yeah, but sir, you're making a huge mistake right now. Okay. Like, like you're making a huge mistake because you're threatening a nurse. Okay. No, we're done. No, no, he just re reached out to grab her. As the person on the phone is saying, this is not good. Don't do this. Done. You're under arrest. We're going. We're done. He's now shoving her up against the brick wall, ripping her hands behind her, and, and handcuffing her. Now, one thing that you don't see, one, one thing that disturbed me well, when, when I watched mm -hmm. this, and that is none of the other cops stopped Intervene. him. Intervened. However... They try, though. They well, one one really, of one but. of them. It looked like he put his hand on his shoulder, like he was going mm -hmm. to talk to him or something like that. But when she was quote unquote resisting arrest, what you didn't see is you didn't see the other officers 
monkey pile on her, take her to the ground, put their their knee on her head, and force her face into the ground and grab her arms and put it behind her back. If this had been somebody who um Oh, she's white, by the way. Well, yes. But regardless, if this is if this had been somebody who had, cop too. who had came come up to them and started screaming oh, at man, them and yeah. hit, they would have monkey piled. Sure. Um, you don't see this at all. You see one guy doing all of this. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the other cops, and I understand, I understand what it would be like because the guy who's doing this has got to be close to 60, 55 or 60. In his 50s, I, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. So he's been there a long time. He's mm-hmm. a detective. He's not a cop, just a regular cop. He's a detective. So he's so an arrogant piece of... Well, yeah. I mean, not all detectives are, just no. like not all whatever are. However, if you look at the cops, they're young. Mm-hmm. They're not... Don't yeah, all seem, the other ones are. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I empathize with the position they're put in. But I want to talk more about that later on. So anyways, continue on. And the, the hospital personnel that are there are saying administrations, they're on the way. The people that are in charge of this hospital are on the way. Cops have none of it. Okay. She can sit in my car while we're there coming. This is unnecessary, man. You're right. This is my department. And this is completely unnecessary. Completely, completely unnecessary. unnecessary. She's under arrest. That's fine, but it doesn't have For to be doing like her this. job. Okay. I'm doing what I, my job. She does hers. That's fine. Okay. Now, what an absolute I'm, arrogant piece of work. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my job. She does hers, but mine is more important. So I'm going to arrest her even though she's doing her job. Well, I think at that point... He realized, at, whoops. Yeah. At a certain point in this, because he put his arm, he put his hands on her, oh, he yeah. started grabbing her and started yeah. dragging her out. Yep. At that point, he's committed. Yeah. yeah. He, you, you he can't, can't say, oh, that yeah. was a mistake. I'm yep. sorry. So now he if has he did, to put though, her in the car. Everybody else would go, you know what? Good on you, buddy. If he would have said, if he would have stopped and he would have said, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. I was out of line here. I'm sorry. I'm going to call somebody to have him come in and mm-hmm. deal with this because obviously I've been out of line here. He would have been reprimanded, whatever. Um, it, the reason why this even came out in the article, it said that the nurse... Um, I hope she's suing the heck out of him. Um, I'm sorry. The uh, The nurse said since the incident wobbles and her attorney have said that they have met with city and police department encourage them to re-educate their officers about the policy but porter said they were not encouraged by their discussions with the university of utah police and the department of public safety which provides security for the off the hospital officers from again this is my point officers from both departments were present for the arrest and did nothing to stop it mm. she said wobbles said that the lack of forward pro progress they felt in those meetings spurred them to come forward this week with the body camera footage. I felt obligated to release it on behalf of anyone that's ever gone through something like this, but didn't have evidence or video. Who said that? The cops said that? No, this is the nurse. Oh. Just being bullied by police for any particular reason in a healthcare setting. She said she hopes to raise awareness of this policy. This should never have happened. It should not happen again. We have to have a conversation and a discussion. Mm -hmm. Now, when this came out, the Furbial feces hit the oscillating Mm -hmm. device and the mayor came out and said 
what I saw in the video last night is completely unacceptable. He said this in Twitter. And then they had a press conference. Chief Mike Brown and I apologize for these actions. Oh, they need to do more than that. Yeah, I mean, um, and uh, what they could have done, what they could have done right from the get-go mm -hmm. is what so many police departments don't do is they could have stopped circling the wagon. Yeah. And they could have said, I mean, any reasonable person would look at this and say this is unacceptable. Right. And at that point, it no longer matters if this is a brother in blue. It doesn't matter yeah, anymore. It's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Yep. And since he is held to a higher standard, when you deviate those from those standards, you should you should be held to a, to higher a much punishment. higher punishment Absolutely. as well. Yeah. I mean, he should be charged with kidnapping mm -hmm. or whatever the appropriate thing. Like if I go out on the street and I grab a young lady and mm -hmm. take her into my house, yeah. force her, handcuff her and force her into my house, and even if I let her go ten, 20 minutes later, I'm still going to be arrested and charged with with uh, kidnapping. I sh I should go to I should go to prison for 10 years. Mm -hmm. This jack wagon should as well. He won't though. <clears throat> we don't know. Oh, come on. We don't know. We don't know. Um, one if, thing if about precedent this. precedent takes place, he won't. Probably not if precedence happens. Now, probably what happened with this guy is that he's been a police officer for many years, and he's getting close to retirement, and he just doesn't like it any longer, and something happened. There was an accident. Somebody got horribly hurt. This person, he might have been sick of people getting killed in accidents so he gets there with a bad attitude it's not going his way this young nurse is not doing what is not complying and complying to him and to so he snapped whim, not 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 the official like rule he's supposed to abide exactly by. it's I'm, his thing i exactly won't do and so what i'm saying even even if you can put yourself in his shoes and say i could understand how somebody could do this Regardless, this is unacceptable. Yeah. He should he should be hit with a, as as hard mm -hmm. as he possibly mm -hmm. could be hit. And the reason why is so that nobody else will ever dare mm -hmm. to do the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that people, so it doesn't matter. But law they enforcement, they won't use him as an example. But they, they should. should. They should. Absolutely, they don't though. Typically, and this is the whole thin blue line thing that's mm -hmm. out there. If you're a cop. You always protect cops, no matter what. Usually and it happens th that way. That, yep. that is the narrative. Now, yep. I know there are good police officers out there. I know some of them. They're great people. I and, would say and, and they the, don't abuse the majority of them are that way. I, I Probably. Unfortunately, you get these idiots. And I have another example of a guy who is just an idiot about presentation. Now, there are things... If you've got an issue with someone and you're a, a, a law enforcement officer... Fine. Talk like a normal human. Don't act like a bully jerk. I don't swear or else I... Never mind. Um, Houston's underwater. In case you didn't realize. Houston, there, there, there was a, a, a Minnesota? very small storm. Oh. Down in the Gulf of Texas, Texas Mexico, or whatever. Um, and it oh, came, Houston, yeah, Texas. Houston, Texas, yeah. Um, they, it, was it... 50 inches of Harvey... Rain? Harvey, yeah. Harvey, um, what's his name? Dent? 
Steve Harvey? No, no, no. Oh. It's a Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane uh, Harvey. Harvey Dent. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I mean, there's there's water. They got fifty over fifty inches of rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, just flooding's insane. So there are like people, actual Americans that want to help. So they're driving down there with their trucks and trailers to go and boats to go help people out mm-hmm. because it, that's what we do. We tr- typically normal <clears throat> Americans want to help people. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, this person and this I saw the video posted. Um, it's kind of being filmed from the top of this weird, huge swamp thing. And it's driving down through a flooded road. And the f- road comes out of the, um, kind of out of the water. And there's a vehicle sitting there. It turns out to be a cop car sitting at the end. And so the guy drives up and apparently has some people that they've rescued up on this thing with him. And this is the... Um, initial attitude of the cop and again this goes to my point that these people they they have this badge and they think they're awesome yes i need you to come down here so he says this your vehicle like points pointing at him like right off the bat is combative the cop Mm -hmm. what because i said so oh you gotta ain't gotta be so grouchy What do you need? Climb on down. What do you need? I want you to climb on down. I want to look at your identification. I don't have it. It's in the truck. Come on down. Come on down right now or you're not going to be leaving. Come on down right now. Do what I tell you or else you're not going to be leaving. Yep. I agree. For no reason. Yep. So he shuts it off. He comes down. Very nice. Climbs down over the tire. He says, I appreciate that you're here, but we're done. People are still trapped. We're not done. It's kind of hard to hear. Yeah, I can't. You might have to interpret. He's saying, I'm, I, I see what you're doing, just like I told the other guy. I appreciate you guys want to come down, but you have to leave. We're just trying to help. And then the guy says, "Next time, don't yell. We're just trying to help." Shitload of money. We came down here to help. I don't like to get yelled at because my house is full. See, this is the problem right here. What what this cop says right now. We're out a shitload of money. We came down here to help. I don't like to get yelled at because my house is flooded too, and I've got to be out here helping people. I appreciate that you're here, but we've had enough. All right. I, oh, I'm confused. Had enough what? Help? Well, okay. Now, I might deviate a little bit from from this in that um, he got irritated right away. He was being a jack wagon right away. Mm-hmm. Now, probably, the guy probably has gotten maybe 10 hours of sleep in the last week. Okay. Okay. So, and he's out there probably because there's no other cops. There's another person standing right beside him. Okay, there's another person. Another cop. 
Okay, then maybe he's relieving him. It's a girl. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Sure. She. Um, Heck, it doesn't matter in today's world. Yeah, that's right. You just choose. Uh, yeah, whatever. He, she. Um, so, I can understand the rawness and the difficulty controlling your emotions. Held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. Um, and this whole thing, what he said, mm-hmm. I, 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 he should have come at it from an entirely different point of view. Mm-hmm. From an emergency management standard, from any type of organizational response standard, you can't have people coming in like this. Why? Because, A, you don't know their, how their equipment works. Okay. You, you don't know if, if, if there's a couple people on the house and they're safe. And this guy comes up to their house, they jump in the boat, and it goes down the river, and it capsizes or it sinks, and then they drowned. They might actually kill more people than they help people. And you don't know that because they haven't been vetted. So it's better than to let these people just die on their roof instead of potentially being saved. No. Well, no. Th- that's, the, that's what it feels like. No, no, that's not the attitude. The, the attitude is, um, like the analogy, if a house is on fire and you're a firefighter, and people are running, and you got 10 people come running into the house with buckets of water trying to help, what happens is that every time they go into the house, you don't know, you don't know what, their, uh, what their skill levels are. You don't know if they're going to put other, well, obviously they're going to put other people potentially at risk because they're trying to, trying to uh, assist. And there's no... There's no accountability. These people could have been uh, robbing the place. They could have, you know, they could be serial murderers. They could be whatever. I mean, there were DHS people uh, pretending to be DHS, ordering people out of their houses, and then when they left, they would rob them. So you have no idea who these people are, what they're doing. So I, from the... The emergency response point of view, I they they should not just show up because they can do far more harm than good. Okay, so here's my question. Your analogy of the fire mm-hmm. house on fire. Yep. If there's a huge fire department there fixing it, mm-hmm. okay, I might get behind that. That makes some sense. Mm-hmm. If there's one fireman... Uh, like they're trying to you know control the fire... And a whole bunch of other people are coming and to help. How is that bad? And see, the Houston's huge, and there's a and it's not just Houston. There's a lot of the surrounding area that's flooded and bad. Mm-hmm. Thousands and thousands of homes mm-hmm. are underwater, or at least partially. Maybe a better. Is maybe there, a better. Well, is there enough? And for real, is there enough actual federal agents? To really manage this crisis. You don't need federal agents. Well, that's what they're doing. No, well, when you're managing that sort of thing, what you're doing is you could have you could have hundreds of, of local volunteers. And what they do is, is if you have 400 volunteers mm-hmm. with boats mm-hmm. and you, you have them come to the emergency operations center because then they can in a very comprehensive way send them out so that it covers the entire the entire um uh a city 
rather than just everybody come and start doing things willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. This is far more inefficient, far more likely um, to cause uh, additional harm than good. Now, but that's not always the case. So I'm not saying that they didn't do something good. Mm-hmm. What I am saying is, is that if you're going to respond to this, you cannot allow people to come in from anywhere because you don't know if they are going to do more harm than good. You have no idea. And if if they go into an area and say they do rescue somebody, uh, where are they going to bring these people? They don't know where to bring them. You might drop them off on a highway somewhere. Um, and so those people are, are at the same position as they were before. Rather than standing on a rooftop, they're standing on a highway somewhere. I mean, there's that's, that's way different than what FEMA did in, <laughs> in it, well, New Orleans. Well, yeah, that was <laughs> shipping people to to Houston. That was a good idea. Well, they they also had a plan bad. to put hundreds of people on um, cruise ships and put them out in the Gulf. Yeah, for six bad, months. Though. Yeah, I was yeah. down there. I and, mean, it was a total cluster. And that <clears throat> and okay, so the little bit that I know of that, and you would have more direct insight on that. It wasn't handled properly. No, it wasn't at all. So me, I'm saying, okay, eleven. When was that? Two thousand one. Two thousand six. Five. Oh, oh, oh five. Yeah, right after. Yeah. Um, you're gonna tell me that you learned something? Oh yeah, they learned a lot. Right, and then implemented those learns, those learnings, that new stuff. Oh, I'm sure they did. Let, let's really. I'm okay. sure they did. I'm positive they did, because I know. Um. In every disaster afterwards, the have you ever heard of the uh, National Incident Management System, NIMS? Mm-mm. That started after nine one one. Okay, but there were also massive changes in it after two thousand five, after Katrina, because of the absolute disaster and the way they responded down in Katrina. Mm-hmm. So they are doing things differently. They are doing things better now. They probably. Obviously, they don't have enough people on the ground. Yeah. So my point with with this whole thing, my my whole point in this whole thing is not to, um, is just to say that I can understand that if I was running the show, I would want any police officer who saw self, people who self deployed to disasters, mm-hmm. I would want them to stop them and turn them around and have them come to the emergency operations center so that we can vet their their equipment and their training and everything else so that we're sending out qualified responders in the um, in the areas that um, that they need to go to. How he did it, though, I think. Oh, totally. The, the whole the delivery is everything. The whole, absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing about this is not, in my opinion, is not about whether or not they should be there, but about the way police officers tend to exert their authority mm-hmm. with with very little consideration at times of, about what other people think, and. Um, in a very arrogant and um, uh, 
elitist. It's, yeah, almost, almost power the, hungry the, the kind of way. The, yeah, like we're better and smarter. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I totally agree with that. I. So my other comments were about them coming down there. Right. But now that they're down there, what he should have done is he should have stopped him and said, "Hey, appreciate you coming down here, um, but." Uh, did anybody send you down here or who's uh, why are you here right now oh you came from illinois you haven't talked to anybody down here okay this is what we need you to do i need you to turn around thank you for what you've done but i need you to turn around and this is where you need to go to and you need to talk to these people and tell them the what you have and it's for your good and for other people's good you know because the other thing is when they have people out and about if you have people that you you don't know that they are there, you don't know what they're doing. You can, um, they can cause more harm than than um, than good. And not only that, if they get into trouble, you're going to put other people at risk to try to rescue them. So that's my two say. But I agree in terms of the um, the arrogance of law enforcement or the seeming arrogance of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I think that's my bigger issue in all of this. Yes, I know I mean, it is. I, I, I know I it don't, is. I, I don't love... I, I guess I don't quite know if I totally agree with the idea that... Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Pe- people shouldn't be... Like, like the, everyone should be stopped and trained really quick. Like that... I, I don't understand how that could even work. Well, I'll, in, I'll, in something this massive. I'll, I mean, I get if you've got a building that fell down, you don't want just random people running about in there. I understand that. You, that needs to be very deliberate because, you know, at some level you could. I mean, it's like if someone breaks their neck, you don't just start ripping their head around. There are certain things you need to do. Okay. But this is huge. A, a quick scenario. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give you an example of something that actually happened around here. Quick scenario. Mm-hmm. You... You're running the show. People are coming in, and you're going, oh, just go out and do stuff. You don't vet a bunch of them. A couple of them are, uh, uh, or one of them is a pedophile. They rescue a family with a couple kids. In the whole process, he molests a couple of the kids, and they find out that this actually happened. And you let it happen. But you can't vet that. There's no way. No, no, but what you can do is that when people come in, you can can, um, run, you can do a quick background check. You can see if they have any warrants. Yeah. You can see what their criminal history is. Mm -hmm. You can see, um, you can check their boats to see if they have boats, if they're in good shape, if the motor's in good shape, if they have life jackets, if they have all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, if everything checks out and they agree to it, and they're they're willing, you could you could throw somebody on the boat who's maybe working there who can guide them around to different places, yeah. and they could be far more effective. Um, but if you don't do that, it can be catastrophic. Plus, how would they know where to go? How would they know? I mean, the EOC and the 911 dispatching, they're the ones that are getting the calls. They're just driving around. What what are they looking for? How do they know where to go? 
how do they know they could be potentially the closest people to some people that somebody's having a diabetic emergency and they have to get rid of them yeah. or you know bring them in but they can't because there's no way to notify them and nobody knows that they're there an example uh I worked in emergency management and there was a 911 call. Somebody called in saying they got into an accident and they were driving south from a certain town into the county where I worked and they could see a very distinctive landmark, the power plant. And the line went dead. And the sheriff's office found, you know, called into the sheriff's office. So there's somebody out there potentially seriously injured somewhere who got into an accident, hit their head, and now they don't know where they are. So they notified, called out the fire departments, and people went everywhere. And there was absolutely no control. So we're talking a 20-square-mile area with 40 people out there going in every every single direction. And uh, the person leading it, it wasn't me, but the person le- leading it afterwards said, I should have started, brought everybody in, and started everything out on a methodical pattern in order to hit every hit every place to 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 fan out rather than one person deciding to go down this road and another person go, deciding going down this other road without knowing what road people went down without knowing where they looked and it went on for like an hour and a half two hours and eventually found out that somebody picked the person up and brought him to the hospital but it was an absolute cluster and you had probably 30, 40 people just doing what they thought was Why? best. Why, though? They were looking for somebody. I mean, how did the word get out? The, the, the person who got hurt hit their head, called 911, mm-hmm. and was confused, and they got some information out of this person. Right. But, but did the sheriff then tell everyone to go look randomly? Uh, they called him out. They told them the position that they thought that the, this person mm-hmm. was in where there was a, a, a vehicle, and when they went there, there was no vehicle there. Okay. So you're looking for, you're looking for a vehicle that, that had crashed. Right. The person who got hit in the head, the assumption was they were confused. Mm-hmm. They gave some landmarks where you thought that that was where they were at, and ultimately that wasn't where they are at because they got hit in the head and they were confused. Mm-hmm. So there's a person out there, they're looking for a car... That was in the ditch, and they don't know where right. this car was. Okay, and you had all these people trying to find the person, but there was no oversight and there was no control, and it was a complete and total cluster, and it was completely counterproductive. But how? I'm still not sure how there was no oversight. Who who told all these people to go look around? They paged them out. Uh, one of the deputies paged them out, and they sent people out. To look for because they thought it was in a certain area. Okay, so so then is the point of this that the people managing it didn't know what they were doing? Yes. Oh. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
And the and the point is, the people mm. that were out looking were doing what they thought they were should do based on what they were told to do based by the cops. What, yeah, based, based. But my point isn't about that. My point is the control of an emergency, mm-hmm. the control of an incident. You have to have control of it. You have to be able to communicate with the people. Mm-hmm. You have to do things in a methodical pattern. Otherwise, it's just slightly more useful than nothing. Yeah. Totally. And otherwise, it's a total cluster. So if you have a huge ongoing incident that's going on where there's a lot of people that are potentially um, in danger, Mm -hmm. the worst thing is to do nothing. Mm -hmm. The second worst thing is just to let people do whatever they're going to do to help people. That is the second least productive thing that you can do. So... That's my point about the people coming down to help. You have to corral them in. You have to vet them. And then you have to send send them out in a methodical, planned direction in an area, not only for other people's sake, but also for the sake of the people that are doing the rescuing. Because when they go out, if you say, okay, you can go out for six hours, be back in six hours, mm-hmm. and they don't come back in six hours, then you potentially... You know that there's somebody out there that's not accounted for, and you're going to go out and look for them. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll find out that their boat capsized, and they're clinging to a tree, and they got hypothermia. And if nobody knew that they were there, they would have drowned. You know, so it's not just for the people that are down there; it's also for the good of the responders as well. So, okay, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> No, but this you you were on a different soapbox. Well, the soapbox is I think cops need to act like humans. Exactly that that was the soapbox. Than arrogant pieces of crap. Yeah, yeah, that and, was the soapbox. And, and the, the cops that I know personally mm-hmm. aren't like that. Yeah, me too. And so me too. I'm I'm fairly certain that as a rule they're not that way. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, you see so many stories when you know a cop a shooting or something goes down, and the cops, you know, they're they are to be obeyed up until death. Period. But I think it's period. it's more larger cities. Oh sure. In in rural communities, the cops have yeah. to live with everybody. No, exactly, and that's why I think that the ones that I know, yeah, are great people. Yeah, like our our, our current chief of police is wonderful. Yeah, I mean he's the kind of guy that will go to you know if the, if someone has issues with um, a, a teen or whatever that's have struggling. He'll go and talk to him, mm-hmm. not not as a, some weird authority that's you know going to beat him down, mm-hmm. but go say, "Hey, how's it going? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what do we need?" And the that's sher- what they're supposed to do. And the sheriff in the county I live in, world class, absolutely world class, mm-hmm. and uh, look at things to serve and protect. It's mm-hmm. not about controlling people's mm-hmm. lives; it's serving and protecting people. The thing that I you that I have run into. Is the it seems to be the the lower level officers mm-hmm. can have a chip on their shoulder because they're younger, yeah, and they get exactly. a gun and yeah. they get this power and I it's got a badge and I got lights that you need to obey, yeah. and yeah. if you don't, and this goes back to my whole original like my thesis of my life, um, in our government in our society we've allowed we've given up so many freedoms. Because we supposedly want certain protections. Mm-hmm. Well, those come with a cost. And that cost is, I'm not allowed to do things. But if I want to have more freedom myself, I don't have that option. Because our society 
the city, the, you know, the people that live in our cities and our communities, they've decided as a whole that we will give up these things and we're going to give this, this control and this authority to the badge. Mm-hmm. And then we will be compliant. And it gets down to the point where um, if you don't agree with that, you will get shot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, or tased. Well, the reality yeah. is it ends at pain for you. Yeah. Whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. And that I think, and death possibly. Yeah. That scares me. But I, but I think you're right. It starts with people who are not willing to take personal responsibility mm-hmm. for stuff and they yeah. hand it over. I know in the county that I used to live in, <laughs> um, people would come in that uh, had cabins 10 miles up the lake road out in the middle of nowhere and were wondering um, if they were going to put in um, uh, weather sirens all along the lake for 10, 15 miles to alert them if there's a tornado. Now, each one of those things is, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars, and you might be able to hear it for a mile. Mm-hmm. So you want who to pay for <laughs> Thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of yeah. sirens for people who don't actually live here but own a cabin on a lake. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. And you don't know of a thing called a NOAA all hazard radio, mm-hmm. or you don't you have, have your a, phone nowadays, or your, your phone. Seriously, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's that sort of. I think probably more for people who live in more uh, metropolitan areas who have this expectation of instantaneous service. Uh, speaking of the authorities, <clears throat> second here. Sorry, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> authorities. This is the David Allen show, by the way. He, yeah. Yeah. In a in David Allen show dot com. Um uh, a DEA officer Uh-oh. uh stopped at our farm. Yeah, this is a story, so it was last year, I guess. Uh stopped at our farm yesterday. He said, I need to inspect your farm for illegal growing drugs. I said, Okay. Um, but don't go over there in that field. Oh, oh. <laughs> the DEA officer verbally exploded, saying, Mister, I have the authority of the federal government with me. Reaching into his back pocket, that arrogant officer removed his badge and shoved it in my face. He said, see this badge? This badge means I'm allowed to go wherever I wish, on any land, no questions asked or answers given. That's not true. He needs a search warrant, but anyways. If I made myself clear, do you understand? I nodded politely, apologized, and went about my chores. Short time later, I heard loud screams looking up and saw the DEA officer running for his life being chased by my big, mean, old bull. With every step, the bull was gaining ground on the officer, and it seemed like that he'd sure enough got gored before he reached the safety. The officer was clearly terrified. I threw down my tools, and I ran to the fence and yelled at the top of my lungs, Quick, your badge! Your badge! Show him your badge! <laughs> This is the David Allen Show, self versus self.
This is the David Allen Show, DavidAllenShow.com. The Sependulum with uh, In Flames singer. Self versus self. I, I love that uh, that badge joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because at some point, you just got to use common sense. And that, I think, is what we're lacking. Yeah. Greatly. And off, uh, off mic, we were just talking about that. All right. We're going to have to wrap this show shortly, uh, short today, a little bit, just because some of us have to go study. <laughs> Whatever. Um. All right, this will make you happy. And she can kind of feel like. Now hold on! Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Don't jump the gun! No, 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 no! Ready, buddy? What? What? Oh, what? Twice now! I love these players. They're so good. Is that sarcasm? Yep. Is it? The pronouns he and she can kind of feel like a box or a trap, where they come with all of this baggage. And for me, the gender-neutral pronouns they, them, don't come with that baggage. This is Jacob Tobia. Jacob is genderqueer and uses the pronouns they, them. <laughs> genderqueer people are an important part of society. This is their story. I always say that my life was perfect for about three seconds until the nurse looked down and said, it's a boy. My ability to choose what makes sense for me was taken away from me. We don't even what? view that as something that's that's hurtful or violent or mean to a child. I had so many feelings of my gender not working. So much of my childhood was about fear. It was about being scared of, oh, what happens if my true self just slips out for a second? And everyone learns that I am this feminine person. What if people learn who I truly am? I don't think I could survive it. One of the things I remember from childhood is that I always wanted to play with Barbies. I mean, it's like so classic. <laughs> and so I got my own Barbie. Wait! I tried to hide it and sort of like not let my brother know that I had it and not let the kids in the neighborhood know that I had it. And one day they found it. They like cut off my Barbie's hair and like pulled off her head. Oh my God, it was so traumatic. She's got a five o'clock like, shadow. You found out your secret. It's probably 10 your in the morning. not okay. And you need to change who you are. The older people in my life, the He's adults got a flower in my life, earring. were incredible. And I think that's why I knew I was going to be okay. Because Ugh. if they could be good to me, I knew that eventually my peers would figure it out. But the waiting for that moment oh, the waiting. was excruciating. excruciating. By the time I graduated and was a senior and had like moved to DC, which was the first city that I lived in, that was when I finally understood that being genderqueer and gender nonconforming did make me like part and parcel of the trans community. Things are going great there. I'm having a wonderful time. As I'm gay, but as you can see, I'm also pretty queer. I mean, I'm wearing lipstick right What's now. What's the difference? And uh, I have this glittery nail polish that I love so much. Um, because that's who I am, and that's how I'm comfortable. And uh, that's, that's why, how I express my gender identity. The spectrum of gender nonconforming people Sorry, they is, are. So, is so brilliant and unique. You know, there are some people like me who want all of the gender. I just have, like, so much gender. <laughs> like, I want it all. <laughs> How do you have so much of the gender? I have all of it. Does I, that I require like antibiotics or something? <laughs> to have all of the gender? Uh, I would like all of the gender, please. 
If I had to talk to my eight-year-old self, I would say you owe it to yourself to be patient with yourself and to be patient with people around you because as much as you want to, everything can't change overnight for you, but it's going to get awesome. <laughs> it's going to get awesome. Yeah. Um, this. And I am beautiful. <laughs> Jacob Tobias. Special thanks to him. Uh, so this is not okay. I'm not going to say it's no slouch operation. Uh, it's not like a um, a fringe <clears throat> group that put this together. It's cosmopolitan. Now I'm fringy kind of, but not. I mean, it's mainstream fashiony. And so yeah. I get. Uh, wow. I would like all of the gender, please. Is that like when you order? Um, I don't know. You go to order fried chicken. I would like all of the fried chicken, not just part. All uh-huh. is that how it works? That stinking nurse. Three seconds. He was he was himself, and then that nurse looked down and said, oh, "The monster!" Oh, I cannot believe that. And I saw that and about choked. Ah, uh, I I don't know what you say. <laughs> What, I mean, really, what do you say? I, you can't. You, I you mean, can't. there's nothing you can yeah. say. If someone is that delusional, yeah, then there is nothing you can say. I mean, you can love them, but it, it's the same thing when you talk you about a, talking about gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no such thing as gay marriage. Right? Marriage, man, woman. Mm-hmm. It, the minute you say gay marriage, what you've done is you've uh, redefined the terms, mm-hmm. And that's what they've done with the term gender. They've they re- re- redefined the terms. So when they're talking gender, they're talking, they they created a term and oh. then grabbed a, a, a name for it that's mm-hmm. already in use. He, she is so limiting. So but they, them is not. It's so freeing. They, them. It's the same thing with the word gay. Gay used to mean something. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean that anymore. Mm-hmm. Gender used to mean something. It doesn't anymore. Marriage used to mean something. It doesn't anymore. Well, cigarettes used to be called something else too. Yeah. What's that, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> North Korea This uh, said on Sunday, that's today, that it has successfully conducted a hydrogen bomb test. For use with yeah. an intercontinental ballistic missile. Now, I don't believe they have an intercontinental ICBM. They do, intercontinental. though. No, they don't have one that works. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Well, Everything unless, they try, the, government, fails unless and, the government is, is lying to us about them because they shot one. You mean our, our government? Yeah. Oh, they never, ever lie. So. Never. If, Hello, Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Gulf of Tonkin. Ever heard well, of that? no. Huh. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> But the, but the only thing is, the minute you go down that road, uh, I mean, you can't go down that road there, because because then the minute you go down that road, then you can't say anything definitive about anything, mm-hmm. and so are, you can't live that way. There are a number of high level, um, what are they called? Not ambassadors, but diplomats. Uh, diplomat. That's the word. High-level diplomats and old uh, government officials that claim mm-hmm. that North Korea mm-hmm. just wants to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. They don't have a suicide mission mindset. Mm-hmm. They're not. They don't want to do anything crazy. Mm-hmm. They want to be treated 
as a, as a normal nation and they want tourism and they want people to come in and enjoy their country. Who do you believe? Do you believe people? One of them was the ambassador to South Korea for a number of years. Donald Gregg is the guy's name. Uh, he says that they're not crazy. They're I not would, radical. I would tend they're, they're to believe to, that. Yeah, but everything you hear from our yeah. official government and media is, holy cow, they're on the verge of nuking us. They can ship a nuke to us right now, and they're going to. It's, it's actually on the ship. And this story, holy cow. Well, I think what it should be is the president or whatever. You mean Donald or yeah, Kim Donald. Jong-un? No, yeah, Donald. Oh, okay. Uh, whoever's in charge says, if you attack the United States or any of our allies mm -hmm. with nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. we are going to kill all of you. Okay. We will nuke every city. That's already been said, essentially. Yeah, but, the, but of course, I, the Democrats panic. Holy cow! Trump is—he's—he's is, he's out, out of control. He's yeah. unhinged. No, but I mean, if you start, we're, we will respect you. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, you all are going to die. Right. So don't do it, and you'll be fine. Well, yeah, but but they're not willing to say, but and don't do it, and then it'll be okay, because then you'll be part of us. Because we're still technically at war with them. Or South Korea. Is yeah, but that wasn't actually on. a war. That was like a UN action or UN well, something other. Well, there's armistice, I guess, that's keeping it. Uh, ceasefire or something like yeah, that. That's it. They yeah. don't want that. They would like it done. But that's not there. They want something. But Seoul is only like 35 miles yeah. away from North uh, Korea. Well, so you can't nuke North Korea. Because then you screw up South Korea. Mm -hmm. And we can't do We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. There's no way in the world we're going to nuke well, them. Okay. In a logical world, in a logical world, or in a world where you're dealing with with uh, rational players, and you're not trying to create the certain narrative in people's minds in order to push policy in certain directions, mm -hmm. you know, you could do that. Yeah, I mean, you, same thing you could do with Iran or, you know, whatever. If if ISIS, if you attack us, this 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 is the response that's going to happen, and the blood is going to be on your hands. It's not it's it's not our fault. This is a suicide mission for you and all your people if you do this. So don't mess with us, you know. But if, I mean, isn't it a? I mean, the collateral damage that would happen outside of North Korea would be vast. Then the rest for, of the world, us. but the rest on of us. the yeah. Well, they're on the other side of the world. So, what kind of collateral damage are you talking about? I mean, like innocent people dying. Okay, that aren't North Koreans. Okay, that I mean, might, this does not mention the innocents in North Korea that would die. Well, yeah, they they would all die. But then you would say, then guess what? The rest of the world corral China. You can corral them. Well, there's a lot of talk that this the our threats towards South Korea or North Korea are really veiled threats at China and is it China and India that are fighting or Turkey? Yeah, in India and China. India? Like bad. Well, yeah, it's you a know, strip it, of land, but they they kind of had a ceasefire. They kind of de-escalated yeah. it some. Right, and part of that, some are saying, is due to uh, our being hard on South, on North Korea. Mm -hmm. Really, I, it's, it's arms sales. Who was it that uh, talked about the military-industrial complex? Yeah, Eisenhower. Eisenhower, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think 
Yeah, I think you're right that there's certain information that they're releasing Mm -hmm. and making it look a certain way for certain reasons, which is probably another good reason why you shouldn't watch the news too much. Oh, man, yeah. So what do we talk about then? (laughs) I know, it's way more fun. See, this is why I like approaching (laughs) current events Uh with the bent... The that, mindset. That you might not be being told there, the whole thing. There's a good thing. chance a lot of what they say is crap. Exactly. Yeah. That they're not telling no, I, you the yeah. full story. Yeah. And, well, I mean, shoot, listen to any of the networks and you're going to get that yeah. across the board. They don't let certain people talk just because, well, whew, you know, there's there was uh, a guy uh, called into, I think it was NPR or C-SPAN. What are they calling? I think it was C-SPAN. And they had, uh, he was saying that, this Harvey was caused by this um, eclipse. You know, because the moon does do a ton with tidal actions. Yeah. Uh, who knows? And the guy just, hey, we're moving on to the Republican line. <laughs> you know? So yeah. there's just no, we can't talk about this. Er, stop. You can't have a discussion, anything like that. Yeah. Um, harp. I mean, is what's what are the odds that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're now claiming that this, what, 5.7 was it? magnitude earthquake well initial in was North- 6.3 but then 5.7 mm, was south a- korea now says puts it at 5.7 yeah um nor norway's machine put it at 5.8 um the u.s geological survey put it at 6.3 um but they're now saying that that was but and you brought this up to me this morning when we talked that um that's due to them testing this hydro bomb Hydrogen bond of fusion rather than fission. Mm. And I think, you know, who knows? But then does that, I mean, there's half of the West Coast is on fire right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Montana, 600,000 acres of Montana are burning. I think up into Canada is burning. What are we going to do? I mean, the world's on fire. But... There is hope, though. Yep. Yep. And it ain't in the news. Nope. And it's not in this world. Yes. Well, uh, I don't think that I have... I mean, there's a million things we could dig into, but we haven't the time. Um, A quick update on our... our, Still our under-construction situation here at the uh, studio. Um... We are in process. We've got sound materials on the wall. And um, hopefully we'll be able to, in the next, man, month or so, I'm hoping that we can get the uh, the desk all built and put in place and then maybe move into our, our new studio and then you will never come back. So <laughs> that'll be great. <laughs> we'll get that all done and then you'll be... Because, I mean, as I'm sure you hear, uh, there's some echoey in the room that... Won't happen anymore hmm. once we get that place together. Wow. That would be but a cool, cool, cool It's going to be fun when it's done. Yeah. Fun when it's done. Yeah. And fun in the sun. Um, any last thoughts before we... Uh, oh, mm, we haven't really talked about your excursion into the adult education world. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any brief anecdotes? Um. <laughs> I think I'll leave that one for the next one if the if it's the one that you're talking of thinking <laughs> <It is>. about. <laughs> yeah, I All forgot right. about that too. I did too till just now. 
Oh, well, next time, I guess. Yep. Um, it's a good one. So stay tuned. Um, I, again, I can't. I can't say when we're going to have the next show. I'm hoping with before a month is up, we should be able to do another one. I think um, in a month I'll be back. Part, part of it, too. And I've got to travel to the West Coast to do some work, and then I'll be in Texas later to do some work. So I'm going to be traveling about. Um, but we should be together either via Skype or something. Um Within the next couple of weeks, I think we could. Yeah, we, could we should be able to work some out. So, yeah. Anyway, um, any last words other than those? Uh, not not death last words, but uh, toodles. <laughs> wow, deep. <laughs> Don't be stupid. This is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. This is episode fifty nine of our crazy show. DavidAllenShow.com. If you have a comment or anything, send us a message. DavidAllenShow at Gmail This crush. Have a great, great rest of your Labor Day weekend. See ya.